Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio is brought to you by Harry's.com. Wake up with Harry's and wake up to a great shave. Get to Harry's.com today. I'm telling you right now, I have gone and I am a customer of Harry's.com and I just got the best shave of my life with Harry's.com. Listen, for years and years I've been going to the drugstore once a month and shelling out 16 to 20 bucks for a four-pack of blades. Go to harrys.com and say goodbye to the money that goes down the drain. The only thing that should be going down your drain is your hair from your face. So go to harrys.com and check it out. Get the Truman set. It's the starter set. Harrys.com was started by two guys who are passionate about creating a better shaving experience. For listeners to my show, Harry's is giving $5 off your first purchase of a starter set with the coupon code PATRIOTS. After entering my code PATRIOTS at checkout, you can get Harry's Starter Set for just $10. That's a month worth of shaving for just $10 with the code PATRIOTS at checkouts. Harry's Starter Set is a month's worth of shaving and comes with a razor, three of Harry's high-quality German-engineered blades, and a bottle of shaving cream, all shipped straight to your door for free. Harry's.com delivers a superior shave for an incredible price. I'm telling you right now, you can get replacement blades, a four-pack of replacement blades, eight bucks. The more blades you buy, the cheaper it comes. Say goodbye to choosing between expensive brands or cheap disposals and say hello to Harry's. High-quality blades at a price you'll love. Go to harrys.com right now and enter the code PATRIOTS at checkout to get $5 off your first purchase. Get a month's worth of shaving for just $10 with the code PATRIOTS at checkout. That's harrys.com. Use my code PATRIOTS and say hello to a more comfortable, less expensive, and better shave. Patriots fans, and welcome once again to Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter, 
Joining me as always is Bobby Kavitsky at Bobby underscore K91. Also on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at, at Patriots Beat. Of course, CLNS Radio at, at CLNS Radio. For you Facebook fans out there, www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat. And of course, CLNS Radio, www.facebook.com slash CLNS Fans. The podcast today is brought to you by DraftKings and Harry's.com. Get out, use our promo codes, and of course, you'll save yourself a little money on some razors, and you'll also save yourself some money on DraftKings, America's favorite one-day fantasy football league. We're going to talk New England Patriots as we do every single week. New England Patriots went into Buffalo and shut up 70,000 screaming mini Rexes, and the Patriots came out victorious, 40-32. to 32. Got a little dicey there at the end, but a great defensive effort as far as getting after the passer. Tom Brady uh, continues his tour de force, absolutely dominating people. Rob Gronkowski, again, just doing unbelievable. Julian Edelman, my pick last week for player of the game, did not disappoint with two touchdowns, acrobatic flying through the air like a human cannonball. I think he wants to do that after uh, his retirement. But, hey, let's get Bobby Kavitsky in here, and let's talk a little bit about the Patriots-Bills game before we get into this week's matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are still riding high off that victory against Buffalo, which for the most part was impressive. You know, about 50 minutes of impressive football and 10 minutes of maybe getting a little bit cocky, trying to puff the chest out and go for a couple razzle-dazzle plays that ended up backfiring, helped Buffalo get back into the game. But overall, the Patriots were fantastic. And you knew that the Patriots were going to respond, that they were going to rise up to this challenge, playing in a hostile environment, playing against a division rival who treated this game like it was their Super Bowl. And so while the performance of New England was characteristic, of a Bill Belichick coach team, the Bills' performance was characteristic of a Rex Ryan coach team, and that's to play undisciplined football. They had 14 penalties for 140 yards. So even if that's on the high end for a Rex Ryan coach team, penalties do tend to hurt his football teams. It happened to him consistently with the Jets. Here it happens in week two of his tenure in Buffalo. So just a very sloppy, undisciplined game from Buffalo's end. Well, let's start with the really good. Okay, let's start with the really good. And I think you can go no further than Tom Brady. 38 of 59, 466 yards, three touchdowns. Unbelievable. The most passing yards ever against the Buffalo Bills, breaking a 51-year-old record. Brady was dominant. I mean, absolutely dominant, Bobby. I, I can't think of a throw that traveled within 10 yards that wasn't spot on. Uh, he was awesome. Yeah, Brady certainly gets an A for his game. Just being honest, there were a couple throws, a couple deep balls that he missed on. That's but, why I said within 10 yeah, yards. Yes, yeah, so I'm just I'm bringing up the other end. But Brady was fantastic. He no doubt gets an A. And... I know the Player of the Week award is not a big deal, Jeff, but it just shows how childish the NFL is that Brady, on the road, in Buffalo, throws for 466 yards, three touchdowns, 
and sets a franchise record for most yards allowed by his opponent. And they give player of the week to Ben Roethlisberger, who got the Niners defense, who was on short rest, and his numbers were less impressive, 369 yards in the same amount of touchdowns. So it just, again, I know it's not a big deal, but it, just, it does show how childish the NFL can be. So in the eyes of the ginger boy, it is better to allegedly rape a woman than it is to have general knowledge and allegedly let a little air out of a ball. Well, you know, one made the NFL look a lot worse than the other, and you would think the no-brainer <laughs> would be to say the player who may or may not have raped someone, but instead the one that embarrassed the league more, quite frankly, turned out to be Deflategate. So, of course, you know, time heals all, and Goodell probably doesn't even think about the scandal that was involved with Roethlisberger, and this one is still a fresh wound for him. And, of course, any chance he can to just stick it to the Patriots and to Brady a little bit, just to poke them, he's clearly going to do so. Now, I want to talk just real quick more, a little bit more about Tom Brady before we get on to the rest of the team. Brady, at 38 years old, is playing just as well as any point in his career. If you really sit back and look from halftime of the Colts game on, how on he's been, especially in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl where he was dominant, absolutely dominant against the Pittsburgh Steelers, dominant against uh, the Buffalo Bills, and on the season, 63-91 of 91 for 754 yards, seven touchdowns, no interception, and the passer rating of 119.9. Pass rating needs to be redone, though, I think, Bobby, because uh, last week against the Bills, uh, the passer rating for uh, Tom Brady um, was uh, 105.6, and he was nearly flawless. And, and you turn around, and for the Bills, uh, Taylor, you know, who threw three interceptions, was sacked, uh, you know, more times than my groceries <laughs> at a 91.3. So. I mean, Tom Brady is playing otherworldly right now. Listen, it can all come crashing down at any chance right now, but the redemption tour has started. Yeah, and let me tell you something. I, I've lost count of how many times we've talked about on this podcast the last two years, how many times we've mentioned that Tom Brady, as he's getting older, is playing better. He's not steadily declining like you would expect, and some people who don't really pay close attention might might have said in the past he's improving he's getting better especially as crazy as this is with his feet no he's never gonna run like Michael Vick used to do but he can extend plays longer than he used to be able to now thanks to his feet thanks to becoming more mobile it's something that no surprise he's worked on ad nauseum and it's clearly paying off along with his diet and everything he does to have that mental edge that he has. And look, Tom Brady compares 07 stats to his 2015 stats through the first two games. In 2007, he was 47 to 59, completing 79.7% of his passes, 576 yards, six touchdowns to one interception. 2015, 69.2% completions, 754 yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. The man has been on fire. You mentioned the Super Bowl. That fourth quarter against Seattle was 
some of the best football I've ever seen Tom Brady play in his entire career. The man is on a mission. You heard Rodney Harrison talk about how opening night against Pittsburgh, Brady had that look in his eyes. You could just see it, that this is a man who is out for blood. He's out for vengeance. He cannot. He's irate at what has been done to his image over what clearly is a load of hogwash, and he's out to prove it to everyone this year. He definitely is. And two guys that are really, really helping him, Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman. I never thought Gronkowski could get better than he was last year. And he might be better than he was last year. He might be better than he was in 2011, uh, where he set the a tight end receiving and uh, yard record, and of course the touchdown record, seven catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. That's four touchdowns on the season for him, just absolutely ripping it up. And Julian Edelman, this guy, I'm telling you right now, since his drafting in 2009 and the second game of the season where he came out against, I believe it was the the Jets uh, back in 2009 when Wes Welker was injured and he caught 10 passes, you've always thought that there was going to be something about him. Two years ago, catches over 100 balls. Last year would have done the same had he not uh, missed the last two weeks of the season. Right now, leading the league in receptions with 22. This guy is exactly where he needs to be at all time. Gronkowski and Edelman really leading the way uh, in catching the balls from Tom Brady. It is like Madden football out there. It's like Tecmo Super Bowl. You just see the open guy, and he gets open, and touchdown happens. Yeah, and I'll tell you with Gronkowski, one area where he's clearly grown, and it's a shame because we don't get to see this, but you've you've heard it brought up an awful lot this week, is how he's evolved as a leader on this team and in this locker room. So it's great to see Gronk, because he's so vital to this team's success, it's great to see him now feel more comfortable and feel like, yes, you know, I'm someone who should be stepping up vocally as well helping to lead this team on the field and in the locker room so that's great to hear about I'd love to see more examples of that but we really just are taking the Patriots you know coach Belichick Tom Brady other players word for it certainly there's no reason to dispute that or doubt it it seems valid to me and it's great to hear as far as Julian Edelman goes look I know people like to compare him to Wes Welker and talk about how he's Wes Welker's replacement. And while that's true, he's also in a different role than Welker, and that's a very good thing for the Patriots because he's more athletic, he's quicker, he's shiftier than Welker, so he can do more than West did. And West did a lot. He was a great player here and a vital part of those Patriots team success. But Julian Edelman just is a more dynamic receiver and gives them more he had a huge game against Buffalo, even when you factor in the three drops that he had. 11 catches, 97 yards, two touchdowns. He was phenomenal, as usual. You know, if you really want to get behind the scenes with Gronkowski, if you haven't bought his book, It's Good to Be Gronk, you got to go out and get it. I mean, I got it for my iPad, downloaded it. Uh, it's a quick read. Uh, you know, I read it in a day or so, but just awesome just just getting into his head he's everything that you hoped he'd be you know he works his tail off 
Um, you know, and, and, and if you watched any of, uh, you know, Do Your Job, uh, which was great. If you watch America's Game, which was great. You see Gronkowski doing this and everything he does. And then, you know, <laughs> in the book, Bill Belichick goes over to him and says something along the lines of, Gronk, why do you go out and party so much? And he's like, that's just how I do, coach. <laughs> and he goes, well, whatever works for you. And I mean, really, two years ago, when he's coming back from all these injuries, a lot of people were on Rob Gronkowski's case about the fact that, you know, he was injury prone, he was this and that. I don't look at Rob Gronkowski as an injury prone player and knock on wood that he makes it through another season healthy. He's had some bad luck injuries. Uh, you know, we all know about the back issue that, that took him out of uh, his final year in college, um, and he had a back surgery in the NFL. We all know about that. But if you look at his injuries, he broke the forearm on a freak play. Then he breaks the forearm again, diving down the sideline. Probably came back a little earlier than he should have, but he's a gamer and he wants to do that. And then when he starts finally in 2013, you see Rob Gronkowski – and he's starting to really become Rob Gronkowski, and then he blows out his ACL. These are, you know, not freak injuries, but they're not injury-prone injuries. They're they're serious injuries that happen to football players. Unfortunately for Gronkowski, they're all centered around, you know, uh, the end of years and this and that. But you saw last year when he became healthy around that Bears game, what a difference Rob Gronkowski makes. And with a healthy Rob Gronkowski, I really don't think that this offense is stoppable. Yeah, this is a dominant offense. And the thing that blows my mind, Jeff, and again, it's only two games, but in the first quarter of the season is when the Patriots traditionally play very vanilla. They don't want to put a lot on tape. They're just figuring out what they have and how much they can do. And then after that is when things really pick up for them and they start to become more dynamic and run more complex stuff. Well, they have put a lot out on tape in these first two games, especially involving, you mentioned Gronk, especially involving that tight end position with him, Michael Williams and Scott Chandler and even Human at times. And the reason they can do that is because while defensive coordinators are going to have their heads spinning, trying to, you know, stay on top of everything the Patriots are doing, especially when it pertains to the three tight ends and even Deion Lewis. By the time they catch up with that, the Patriots will have already installed and be ready to run more complex stuff involving how dynamic they can be using all three of these tight ends in Gronk, Chandler, and Michael Williams. So it is very exciting to see, and I'm very interested to see how many more layers they add to this offense and to this dual and sometimes triple tight end attack. Well, they had four tight ends on the field with uh, Michael Human Awanui. It, it's and and they do, you know, they split it out wide. They got who man sitting there, you know, at the traditional tight end set with Michael Williams as the fullback and then, you know, they have uh Chandler and Gronk and then Chandler and Gronk go out trips I'm not trips, but uh, twins to the left, and Michael Williams moves into uh, you know the right uh, tight end position, and then they move Man out, or Man goes into the slot, and Chandler was out. There's a ton of different things that they can do with this four tight end set, 
And with Chandler and Gronk, you're going to score a lot more often than you're not. Both times those passes to Chandler in last week's game uh, could have been caught, should have been caught. Uh, I think they are caught as the season goes on. That's a very exciting, exciting uh, move that Josh McDaniels has done. You brought up a name there in Deion Lewis. Last week had an immense game. Six catches, 98 yards, seven carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown. It's safe to say that uh, Rex Ryan knows the name of Deion Lewis right now, I think. The only thing I, I worry about Lewis is ball security. Two weeks in a row now with fumbles. Yeah, and it was interesting to see a lot of people, especially on Twitter, after that fumble against Buffalo, were saying, Deion Lewis is in the doghouse now. You know, Bye-bye, Deion. It was nice knowing you. But he came right back out on the next series, and it goes to show you the rope that he has and how much confidence Bill Belichick has in Deion Lewis, which he's rightfully earned even with the two fumbles. You know, he talked about after the game that he was very critical on himself, but his teammates came right over after it happened and just made sure to, you know, give him a pat on the shoulder, keep his spirits up. So hopefully he's not as fumble prone as Steven Ridley was, but it's definitely an area to monitor moving forward. You know, it's crazy. I saw at one point that there was a stat out there uh, with Steven Ridley, and in his time with the Patriots, he fumbled on only seven, uh, once every 79 touches of the football. Right now, um, Deion Lewis is fumbling once every 16 touches. That is bad. Uh, of course, earlier in the se- it's early in the season. Um, you know, everyone thinks bad things about Stephen Ridley and fumbling. He fumbled at inopportune times, um, and it ended up hurting the Patriots more often than not. The two fumbles now for the Patriots with Deion Lewis, the first one, of course, recovered by Rob Gronkowski. I'll give him a pass on that fumble. Uh, that's a guy trying to make more yards um, and, and unfortunately getting tackled by three guys and losing the ball. Last week's fumble I thought was a little bit inexcusable. I thought he played a little loosey-goosey with the football uh, while running. He's got he's to gotta get that hand on it, That uh, you know, the uh, – the other hand, get the dominant hand on there and make sure he doesn't fumble. Um, it'll be interesting as things move forward. And how much do you, do you look at a guy like Deion Lewis, who right now is the only productive back that they have? Of course, they did have LeGarrette Blount back last week, but obviously against that front, uh, the Patriots were not going to even attempt to run. Uh, so they were going with a pass-heavy back. James White was a healthy scratch. Uh, Travis Cadet uh, only got in for a couple plays as he works his way back from a hamstring injury. And we all know how I feel about Brandon Bolden, but that was a passing back. So I think that's one of the reasons why he had a little more rope there. And let's look at one thing that, that really stood out to me in the game last week was the fact that the Patriots, I think, were scared to run into the teeth of that defense. They were in uh, you know fourth and one twice. And went for it both times. You didn't see a Tom Brady sneak up the middle, which we've seen over the last 15 years. You didn't see him turn around and hand the ball um, to LeGarrette Blount. So we're looking at that. Um, so, you know, you kind of look and, and, and you say to yourself, what was going on there? Because Brady missed deep passes twice to, to uh, Edelman. Uh, the first time it, it cost them, you know, points, actually both times when they went for a fourth and one, uh, it was a turnaround of two touchdowns. So big turnarounds there. 
the first pass, I, I understood it. You know, they they had a nice uh, check down that was going to come out of the backfield to Deion Lewis, and I believe it was Mario Williams. I might be wrong, but played the play perfectly, and Brady had to make a play, and he had another man going down the field, and that was that was Edelman. Uh, the second play call I thought was just a horrible play call from the beginning. They were trying to go deep. They were trying to run that score up, but I think that really hurt. So getting back to it, I think with the game plan, that's why Deion Lewis had more rope than he did. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, you talk about that fourth and one during the fourth quarter, and it's an example of how in that final frame, the Patriots had bad execution from both a player's perspective and from a coaching standpoint, you know, you can understand that everyone involved wants to run the score up, wants to start to hit these home run highlight reel plays, but you just have to be more disciplined, especially the guys who are calling the game, because a lot of those play calls, like what happened on fourth and one, as you alluded to, were just questionable decisions that, quite frankly, should not have been made. And I know that LeGarrette Blount was never going to be a big part of this game plan, but that fourth quarter, they should have been running the ball more than they did. Yeah, they were trying to run that score up completely. Uh, they wanted to embarrass the Bills. Uh, it almost cost them. Uh, you know, you had the fourth and one, uh, which they turned around, stopped them, went down and scored a touchdown. Then you had, you know, an inexplicable strip sack of, of Tom Brady by Jerry Hughes. You shouldn't be throwing there. You know, you're you're up plenty of points. You should not be throwing there. I know we want to embarrass these people. I know it's the redemption tour. Uh, but you know what? It's develop the run. You know, take take some time off the clock. You know, throw throw short intermediate passes that'll work. Not not try to push it down the field. And I think they were going to do that. And the other thing that I have a question for on those fourth and ones. Now we know how great Julian Edelman is. But why not have my main man Aaron Dobson on the field? Because let me tell you right now, Aaron Dobson on the field having his one of his best games as a Patriot really uh, came through. Seven catches, 87 yards. Uh, looked like he really had his number with Tom Brady. Ran crisp routes. Uh, had one ear hole him. I mean, it hit him right in the face mask. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, you know these things happen. But Aaron Dobson had a very nice game. And right now, in this game at least, he supplanted um, Danny Amendola as the uh, number two receiver, even though Amendola made the catch of the game. Yeah, I was wondering when we were going to get to your boy AD. Sure enough, here we are talking about what a great game he had, one of the best of his young career. And the key for Dobson now is building off it. A lot of those plays were designed to get him the ball, for him to be open. Some of them he certainly made on his own, which was great to see. You know, he ran some very polished routes against Buffalo. Now the key, like Josh McDaniels has said this week, is building off of the performance against Buffalo, being able to be a consistent contributor. And, of course, for a player like Dobson, being able to stay healthy, being able to stay on the field. And you talk about that Amendola catch. Jeff, after the game – he tells Brady apparently that he couldn't even see the ball. The sun was in his eyes. He just stuck his hands up and made a play. Boy, if we only had him in Super Bowl Forty Six. I think that's what most fans were thinking when they saw <laughs> how that he catch. caught that ball. I was sitting there and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I couldn't even see <laughs> the, the ball, and he somehow 
hit him in the hands on a very similar route to what happened with uh, uh, our old number 83, who he dropped, and somehow he catches the ball with the sun in his eyes, and Brady's like, how'd you catch that? And he goes, I couldn't even see the ball. I, Great play by Danny Amendola. Just just awesome. I believe he was parallel to the ground at one point. Just a phenomenal catch. Jeff, someone else who only had one catch was Michael Williams. And Love that, it. that's an interesting wrinkle because he played tight end at Alabama. So while he's more of a blocker than he is a receiver, he can, he can go out for passes. And, you know, especially the red zone, short yardage situations, he is an option. That's one of the things we brought up on a previous Patriots beat. And I, we were talking about Michael Williams. I believe it was the first uh, Patriots beat of the season when we were talking about the fact that Williams made the uh, the roster. And I like the fact because you can bring him in as an extra offensive lineman, but a guy who has some experience in c- catching the pass, unlike last year when they had Cameron Fleming going out there, um, you know, and, and it was you basically knew it was a uh, – you knew it was a run. Now you sit there and Michael Williams can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, one catch, 15 yards, but still, he caught the ball with his hands and he ran and he looked pretty good. I couldn't believe that he caught that ball. Uh, did very good stuff there. And and another thing that they're building on, they, you know, you have said that they've shown us a lot already, but I have a feeling there's a lot in this bag of tricks, especially this offense. You know, with Deion Lewis coming around, LeGarrette Blount once he's up and running, things that way, and then you got when Brandon LaFell comes back, you're going to have some good things. And I want to say right now, before we start switching over to how well the defense uh, played in the pass rushing, this offensive line, let's talk about it real quick, because you have three rookies playing huge minutes right now, uh, huge plays with Shaq Mason, Trey Jackson, and David Andrews. And I was scared going into this uh, game about how these three would play together. They kept Tom Brady very, very clean. David Andrews, how he went undrafted, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I'm sure our listeners are listening to the podcast up to this point saying, when are they going to get to the offensive line? When are they going to talk about the big boys up front and how well they played? Let me tell you something. They looked great against Pittsburgh, especially those three young guys on the interior. But this presented a much more significant challenge going up against arguably the best defensive line in all of football, and they aced it. A lot of that had to do with Tom Brady getting the ball out of his hand quickly. But this offensive line neutralized Kyle Williams, neutralized Marcel Darius. They were excellent. You know, they Solder played a fantastic game. Volmer did his thing on the right side. Volmer was awesome. Volmer, Volmer owned Mario Williams. Absolutely owned Mario Williams. Volmer played fantastic, and it's great to see that they've got him locked up under a team-friendly contract. You know, they extended Solder as well, so it's good to see the two bookends locked up for the near future. And then you look at how well the young guys are playing, as well as he doesn't get talked about as much. Josh Klein has had a very strong first two games. I believe he didn't come off the field even against Buffalo. I think he played every snap or at least played or at least tied for the most snaps on the offensive line. And so he's played very well as well. And it's really nice to see that they will have quality depth this year, something they did not have last year when Ryan Wendell is ready to return, which 
seems highly unlikely that it'll be this week against Jacksonville. And of course, when Brian Stewart comes back off a short-term IR. And that's really going to help in terms of keeping guys fresh, pacing throughout the season. It obviously helps in terms of just X's and O's and the passing game and the running game. Because Jeff, like you said, they, they've put a lot on tape, but there's so much more that you can see coming down the pipe. And so it's interesting to see just how many layers there are going to be to this offense, which is already pretty complex. And another player who I'm interested to see how he factors in is Chavaris Cadet. Minimal impact as they work him back from injury against Buffalo, but he did earn one of the practice player of the week spots, given a black jersey for that. And so I'm interested to see just how much of a contributor he is when he's back or close to 100%. Uh, it'll be very interesting. We've seen him split out wide uh, early in training camp. We saw him doing some really nice things out of the backfield. Um, you know, and, and when he's back moving, you got Cadet and Lewis who can catch the ball. You can have them on the field at the same time, uh, you know, one in a slot receiver role, one in a in a role in behind the backfield, split out wide. You know, there's so many different things that can happen with the personnel on offense. I really, really like what's going on with this because there's so many different things that they can do, as I just said. Uh, they can have these two running backs out that are both adept at catching the football. Um, you know, beautiful pass by Tom Brady to Deion Lewis. I think you're going to see some of the same things to Travis Cadet, who caught 39 balls last year for the New Orleans Saints. The guy can catch the ball. The big thing with him is can he run between the tackles? We've seen Dion Lewis be able to run between the tackles a little bit here. So this offense is much different than it was a little bit last year because, listen, we all love Shane Vereen, but I like what I'm seeing out of Dion Lewis. He's a little more... He's a little more versatile than Vereen was. Vereen had a very hard time running the ball between the tackles. I'm looking at Deion Lewis, and I'm thinking, as I said last week, a young, uh, not a young, but a a different kind of Danny Woodhead. Um, you know, I'm not going to put him in the Kevin Falk uh, category yet, even though he's wearing the same number, but he's he's making those plays. Woodhead made those plays. So very exciting to see what happens as this offense continues to grow and, you know, if we keep seeing things from Aaron Dobson, when Brandon LaFell comes back, I mean, you have all these different formations that we can see um, that is going to be exciting. I'm going to switch to the side of the ball here. I want to go over to the defense because, yes, okay, towards the end of the game, defense gave up some touchdowns, but they still had eight sacks of Tyrod Taylor. That's some excellent, excellent work. Chandler Jones uh, had some really good things. It just unbelievable stuff. Bobby, I, I, I know you want to probably talk just a little bit more about the running back situation, So, and I apologize because I know you did, and I cut you off. So go ahead and talk a little bit about that running back. Well, I was just going to bring up the situation that the Patriots are in where if they don't trust James White, who didn't even factor in against Pittsburgh when Cadet didn't play, then – then you got to start to look at what kind of depth they have beyond, behind Deion Lewis, who has been injured in the past, and it might be hard for him to sustain this pace where he's getting the lion's share of the snaps. And I know they're working LeGarrette Blount back in from suspension as well, but you still got to look at, in terms of pass-catching backs, what do they have behind 
Dion Lewis, and that's where Chavaris Cadet, if they don't trust James White, which at least right now it doesn't seem like they do, really becomes that much more important of a piece in terms of both pacing Lewis, making the offense more dynamic, and giving them quality depth at a position that a lot of people looked at, well, they have so many running backs on this roster. Well, you scratch off James White, you consider that LeGarrette Plount isn't coming out of the backfield to catch passes. So if Deion Lewis needs a breather or, God forbid, gets injured, what's behind him? And that's where Chavaris Cadet really becomes an important piece. Definitely. You're definitely right about there. I was surprised to see James White being a healthy scratch. It comes down to a numbers game, though. They want a cadet out there, and, and they really like Lewis. I think Lewis uh, really coming out. I mean, no one was. I was looking at him. I did a a piece earlier in the se- uh, preseason about this, and uh, I, I was talking about the Patriots running backs, and I didn't even mention really Deion Lewis. I thought he was a camp buddy. This is a guy you know, drafted in the, I think it was fourth or fifth round by the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, got hurt, was out of football, uh, you know, signed with the Cleveland Browns, broke his leg, had a cup of coffee with the Colts, who were desperately in need of, of, you know, handing the ball off to, or throwing the ball to anyone who could catch, and he didn't do that. So I, I don't think they ever thought Lewis was going to be as good as he is. He is. It's pushed James White down the uh, down the depth chart. And that's not to say that James White is, you know, a, a bust. You know, it wasn't until his third year that Shane Vereen really made a, a difference on this team. So let's swap it over, though, now here, because I just started talking a little bit about the defense, especially that pass rush. You know, we talked about it last week that you might not see a lot of sacks, that the Patriots would, um, you know, kind of keep Terod Taylor, Taylor in the, into the pocket, uh, you know, stay on a level with him. Chandler Jones... Man, he has added some moves. He's got he he's always had that outside speed rush, but now he's using a swim move to the inside. He's setting up leverage outside, going inside. He's going around uh, three sacks and Jamie Collins two and a half sacks. Uh, bravo to both of them. Uh, absolutely unbelievable games. And I never thought I'd see this, but back to back hurt seasons for Gerard Mayo um, and Dante Hightower really stepping up has made Gerard Mayo a guy that isn't on the field as much, but really good things up front for the Patriots. We saw a little bit about that NASCAR package, too. 28 snaps. The Patriots had three defensive ends on the field. On those 28 snaps, 14 of those snaps, they had four defensive ends getting after the quarterback, and that was after they built the... uh, you know, after they built that lead, and I think it had a lot to do with how the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, got some good running stats at the end because they were going up against that uh, lighter front, but uh, big things there. Jeff, you covered a lot of ground right there, so I'm going to give our listeners a chance to digest that all, and as I go into my analysis of the situation, look, Dante Hightower has become just a calming presence and a stabilizing force in this Patriots defense. He is one of the best linebackers in the game right now. He had 12 tackles, eight of them solo. He was tremendous. And when him and Jamie Collins blitz, they are going to make an impact on the play. They're going to get in the quarterback's face. You just see it happen so often. 
And the great thing about them rushing the quarterback would be the more appropriate term than blitzing is because they have such versatile defensive linemen, especially on the edges, those guys can drop back. And it's not really blitzing because you're not sacrificing someone in coverage. Remember, we talked to Matt Chatham about this in the offseason, not long after they lost Darrell Revis. Well, is this defense going to blitz more? And his answer was, look, of course you have to account. The game plan changes week to week. But his answer was no, because now you're taking someone out of coverage. Well, because the, they have such versatile defenders on that front seven, they can rush Mayo and Col- Hightower and Collins, excuse me, who are so effective at getting home to the quarterback while dropping guys back, and they're not losing anything in coverage. You know, a lot of people remember Rob Ninkovich pit- picking off Peyton Manning last year in that regular season game at home against Denver, and that's just one example of how good these guys are at switching those roles and playing many different parts. So this NASCAR package, a new wrinkle that they have now. And I'm interested Very to see yeah. what Trey Flowers' role is in the NASCAR package when he gets back to being healthy and gets on the field, seeing how effective he is rushing from the interior. And also you talk about Chandler Jones, what a monster game. He had six tackles, three tackles for loss, five solo, four quarterback hits. Well, a big part of that is having Jabal Sheard to rotate in now and keep Chandler Jones fresh, not having to worry about stopping the run nearly as much. And you can see what a difference it's made on Jones through the first two games. And give it up for Jabal Sheard because he came in touted as a pass rusher, and he proved in the preseason how effective he is at stopping the run. It showed on tape again against Buffalo in Week 2. It was evident against Pittsburgh. He had a nice play, I specifically remember, down near the goal line. And so he has just really given new life to this defensive line and been a huge presence for them. Listen, I, I'm looking at it. I'm watching tape. I'm watching, rewatching games. And I, I love what I'm seeing out of Jabal Sheard. Uh, he might be supplanting Rob Ninkovich as a starter. Back-to-back games now, um, Rob Ninkovich has had a very tough time uh, holding the edge uh, first week of the first game of the season, uh, first rush of the season um, by uh, uh, Williams from the Pittsburgh Steelers on an 18-yard carry. It was Rob Ninkovich who really didn't get a you know basically set the edge. He was beaten hard, and then last week on the first play of the uh, not first play but first uh, drive for the the Bills where they marched 80 yards down the field. Ninkovich, again, having a hard time holding his position and getting to the outside to stop the run. Uh, Jabal Sheard's really come along very nicely as a defensive end. We could see Sheard and Jones basically being the one-two punch with Ninkovich and Trey Flowers basically moving in as things happen. Yeah, and in regards to Ninkovich, it's definitely something worth monitoring as the season progresses. But it's only been two games, so I wouldn't make too big of a deal of it just yet. He and start- he looked bad last year in game one against the Dolphins. Right, too, so. and he was out of position in that game. He didn't play well against Kansas City either. So, look, it's definitely something worth monitoring because he hasn't been typical Rob Ninkovich. He hasn't performed at that level. But it has only been two games, so keep your eye on it. But just don't overreact to it just yet. Yeah, now just real quick before we uh, take a break, 
um, and you know, get into some other stuff and start talking about this Jaguars game coming up. Uh, the secondary coming away with uh, three interceptions. Deron Harmon, his second interception uh, in as many weeks, doing some good things. Malcolm Butler, his first career um, first career interception in the regular season. A beautiful uh, turf topper. Um, and, and Logan Ryan ending the uh, ending the game uh, for the Patriots. Logan Ryan, he's a he's a hot and cold player. He's either really good or he's really bad. I'm putting him in there ahead of Bradley Fletcher because Bradley Fletcher, I don't think, makes the rest of this team. And one thing that I want to say, and, you know, Patrick Shankauer's ears are going to perk up right now, but have you seen Devin McCourty make a play yet for this defense? Well, I'll say this in defense of Patrick's man crush, Devin McCourty. It's probably better not to really see him involved because, yeah, he's getting a lot of pesos now with that new contract, but the reality is he's designed to take away the deep ball. That's his role. Now Deron Harmon occupies that to a degree as well, but that's his primary responsibility. Make sure the Patriots don't give up the long ball, not just minimize it, completely take it away. And, Look, you, you haven't seen it through the first two games. So, yeah, there's not a lot of Devin McCourty sighting so far, but that doesn't mean he's not executing what he's being asked to do. And as far as the whole secondary picture goes, look, Malcolm Butler, great interception. I love what I've seen from him, even against Antonio Brown, and then again against Buffalo. So, look, just like majority of the Patriots fan base, I'm very high on the potential of Malcolm Butler and how he's performed through the first two games. Terrell Brown is another player who I like a lot. I think he solidified that right side, that right cornerback position for them, that number three corner spot. And Logan Ryan, that was a hell of an interception, and it iced the game, so it was a big-time play from him. But I'm just – that's an area of concern for me is that number three cornerback spot. And actually – as I know we're getting ready to talk about this game against Jacksonville, that's one area that is going to be a key worth watching because the Jaguars do have three good receivers in Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and Marquise Lee. So you just figure that they're going to be in those three wide receiver packages a lot, especially because they don't have Julius Thomas for this game, which is a big blow for their offense. And they're, they're likely going to challenge the Patriots' number three corner a lot, whether it's Logan Ryan or Bradley Fletcher, who's on the field. And Fletcher's really been unimpressive. Logan Ryan, like you said, hot and cold. And I've seen more negative than positive from him the first two weeks. But, of course, that interception was fantastic, Jeff. Definitely was. All right, let's take a break right now, talk a little bit about fantasy with our partner, DraftKings.com. We'll be right back to the Patriots talk after this. Football season's only just begun, but it already feels like the playoffs at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where millionaires are being crowned all season long. One-week fantasy at DraftKings means no season-long commitment. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. And with a million bucks up for grabs every week, every game is the big game and every play matters. So first and 10 in the first quarter feels like fourth and goal with one second left. And a long touchdown run could mean more than just a victory for your favorite team. It could mean you've just turned your love for football into a million dollar payday. 
This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use the promo code New England to play for free for a shot at $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. Enter New England for the free entry now. Only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And every single week here on the Patriots Beat Podcast, I'm giving you my DraftKings can't beat, can't lose fantasy football lineup. I felt my week last week was just awesome. It wasn't. Listen, for the Millionaire Maker uh, event, I did not finish in the money after getting uh, some money the week before. But what are you going to do? Some things uh, don't work out. But I'm telling you right now, this is what we got here. Last week, I felt great about myself. I had Drew Brees going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I figured, psh, that's easy money. Well, Brees goes out and gets hurt. Gets me 13.10 points. Jeremy Hill, I got him thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to kill it against the uh, San Diego Chargers. Well, two fumbles later, 3.10 points. I'm hurt right there. Carlos Hyde uh, gets me 10.10 after a huge uh, game the week before. But my wide receivers came through for me. Julian Edelman, uh, Jeremy Matthews, and uh, Williams from uh, the old uh, Dallas Cowboys. 33.9 points for Mr. Edelman. 20 for Matthews. And Williams gets me 18.4. Tyler Eifert, another solid week for me. 14.9 points. But my flex position, Abdullah, only 2.8 points. And the Titans defense, who would have ever thought against the Cleveland Browns they'd give up uh, 28 points, only getting me a point on the day. Finished with 117.3 points. Not good enough finishing just outside of the money in the league. Uh, you know, finishing in uh, a number that I don't even want to talk about for place. So this week, I uh, got my lineup ready to go for the Millionaire Maker. And you know what? Hit me up at, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. We'll talk a little bit about fantasy football fantasy baseball, anything you really want to talk about because I got some stuff upcoming this week. Listen, this isn't a can't miss lineup, but I'm going to I'm gonna feel good about my lineup here uh, this week for uh, the fantasy football. Uh, I'm going back quarterback Tom Brady against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll take that all day long. Twice on this coming Sunday for 7700 bucks. Mr. Brady getting me 29.9 points per game. Going into the season after two weeks, Le'Veon Bell, I uh, he's coming back off of suspension, seventy five hundred bucks. A little bit of risky play here because he's been suspended, but we know what Le'Veon did for us all last year. Huge. Bishop Sankey expecting a big bounce back game, especially against the Indianapolis Colts who couldn't stop a cold. Uh, forty six hundred dollars for him, thirteen point four points per game is what he's hitting. Uh, gonna go with Randall Cobb. For the Green Bay Packers against Kansas City on Monday evening, seventy-three hundred bucks. Kansas City uh, giving up some uh, yards through the air. I love the way that Aaron Rodgers and Cobb hook up. We should be pretty good right there. Dante Mosgrief. Uh, you know what? Y'all sit there and you look and you say T.Y. Hilton. You say Andre Johnson. You think, all right, these are the guys going to hit it. Well, Moncrief has definitely turned it around. He's averaging twenty-two point four points per game. And back-to-back weeks, he's got a touchdown pass. Of course, those are big time. I like him right there. Torrey Smith is my other wide receiver. 
going for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, averaging 15.6 points per game. Going up against Arizona, tough matchup there, but I have a feeling that Torrey Smith might get me some points. Switching up from Tyler Eifert, who uh, I have loved to begin this season for uh, fantasy football here, uh, getting uh, Kyle Rudolph against the San Diego Chargers for the Minnesota Vikings. He's been averaging 12.2 points per game. Loving it right there. Now, here's my flex player, and it could be boom or bust here for me because he hasn't done much yet, but C.J. Anderson uh, going up against Detroit this week for 6200 bucks. Hurting for C.J. Anderson, only averaging 6.4 in the DraftKings uh, fantasy football uh, setup. Only averaging 6.4 yards uh, points per game. But I'm liking what uh, he's got this week against Detroit. Of course, Detroit not having uh, Endomic and Sue or uh, Nick Farley anymore. I'm thinking this could be the game where he busts out, especially with the way that Detroit's been giving up uh, points on the ground. And my defense, none other than your New England Patriots, my New England Patriots against the Jacksonville Jaguars at home this week. Uh, $3,100 right there. Going up against an offense that ranks uh, very low. So don't forget to follow us here all along long at 8 uh, at CLS Radio. And of course, Patriots Beat Podcast. I am Jeff Kane at Boston Fat Guy. That is my fantasy football lineup for DraftKings.com. Don't forget to enter the promo code New England for your chance in the Million Dollar Maker event this week one million dollars up for grab enter that code new england and get your free uh chance to win a big bucks hey maybe i win i'm not talking to you guys next week but i'm going to talk to you some more now so let's get back to the football talk with myself and bobby kravitsky and welcome back to patriots beat here on the sealness radio network sponsored to you today by harrys.com and draftkings.com Make sure to go out and use your code words, and uh, you can get yourself entered into a free millionaire maker this week for DraftKings.com, and get yourself the best shave you can and save some money with Harry's.com. Definitely check that out. Uh, we're going to get into this Jaguars game. You know, you think about the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, or Jaguars, or however the hell you want to say it, and, and you think, all right, this team's weak. They've, you know, were the, had the second pick in the draft a couple years ago. Uh, then they had a high draft pick last year with Blake Bortles, and then this year, last year they weren't very good. But they're building some young talent there in Jacksonville. Blake Bortles, uh, you know, starting to come around his second uh, year in the uh, in the NFL. Uh, you know, not Tom Brady like numbers, but 40 of 73, completing almost 55 percent of his passes. Uh, you know, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He can throw the ball. Uh, T.J. Yeldon is their starting uh, starting running back. Uh, many of you might remember him from the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, running for 121 yards to lead the way this year. And as Bobby said, they got some pretty good uh, wide receivers out there. Um, you know, and they spread the ball around very, very well. So this will be one of those things where you got to kind of step up and see what they're doing and who they're handling it for. And their defense, you know, it's not great, but it's not horrible. And they went out and beat the Miami Dolphins last week, uh, which I don't think anyone saw coming. So here we got a young team, really don't know a lot about them, even as Bill Belichick said, uh, you know, you don't know a lot about this Jacksonville Jaguars team. They start uh, the season at 3-1. and one. Bobby, your first early impressions of what we can expect to see from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, well, they did the Patriots a huge favor by knocking off the Miami Dolphins last week. So that was certainly great to see. 
And like you said, there are some things to like on both sides of the ball for Jacksonville, but there's also a lot of injuries to this team. Most notably, it looks like Julius Thomas and Sinderic Marks are not going to be playing on Sunday. Those are huge losses on both sides of the ball for Jacksonville. Sinderic Marks, if you don't know him, you should start paying closer attention because he is a phenomenal defensive tackle. But look, the, the reality is they don't match up talent-wise or coaching-wise with the Patriots just yet. But that doesn't mean that they might not be able to come in here and give New England a hard time. You know, we talked about one advantage that they figure to have is testing out the Patriots' number three corner, whoever it may be. And the Patriots are going to have to scheme to try and neutralize that advantage like they always do. But, you know, running the ball, it's primarily the rookie from Alabama, T.J. Yeldon, a player who I like a lot because he can also come out of the backfield. He's got six catches on the year, good for 29 yards so far in that aspect. That complements his ability to run the ball where he's 37 carries, 121 yards, is solid. And so, you know, they're going to mix in Denard Robinson at times. Blake Bortles is another quarterback who's mobile. You know, he's not going to kill you with his legs, but he does have the ability to run with it. And he's a quarterback with a strong arm, though. That's really the primary focus defensively for the Patriots is that Jacksonville is presumably going to look to hit the long ball a lot, attack the third level of the field, so I expect the Patriots, like they did for most of the game against Buffalo, to be in cover three, and you know that way they can have eyes on Bortles. They can divide up the deep level of the field into thirds, and you know it should be enough against the team like Jacksonville, but definitely something worth monitoring, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And a battle of first-place teams down in Foxborough this year as the Jacksonville Jaguars are leading the AFC South right now at 1-1. One and one. Uh, This is a team that is very good against the run. Um, opponents rushing the ball 51 times for 147 yards, only 2.9 yards per carry. Um, so we could see the Patriots go to that passing game again this this week Um and, and see what they end up doing. Now, they're giving up 7.1 yards per pass play, so this could be something where Tom Brady really steps up and tries to take advantage of the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars' defense and uh, our good old friend Sergio Brown. Does he get thrown out of the club again this week? Oh, I think so. I think that those two are going to be matched up with each other at times, and both are pretty heated. Sergio Brown talked about this week that people mention that play to him all the time. He likes to remind people that Gronk got a penalty for it. He also got a fine for it. But nonetheless, it was just a show of how dominant Gronkowski can be, not only as a pass catcher, but as a blocker as well. Sergio Brown learned that firsthand last year when he got tossed out the club. And, yeah, you know, I would, I would like to see from the Patriots this week offensively that – they have a chance to work on their run game because, look, I know that the Jaguars' strengths defensively is their run defense, but as you get later on in the season and into the playoffs, you're going to have to be able to run the ball at times. You know, you can you can look to last year's playoff run all you want and say, well, they didn't even run it in the second half against Baltimore. 
But look, against Indianapolis, it was a big factor. If they had played a team with a better run defense, it would have been even more critical. And against Seattle, there were some timely runs that they got as well. So the reality is the running game is important. You know, complementary football. Nothing is isolated. And so what I'd like to see is them have a chance to work on their running offense, their rush attack, against a good run defense. That's what I'd like to see. Now, ideally, they don't really have to go that route until they've already got things clicking and a comfortable lead. But nonetheless, it's a good opportunity. Week three of the regular season, an opponent you should beat. It's a good chance to test out an area that might not be a strength of this football team. Definitely is a good chance to step up and uh, and do exactly as you say right there. I'm looking at this game, and I normally I'd sit there and say this could be a trap game. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a trap game on the uh, on the field for the New England Patriots, especially with the fact that they get the bye next week. They're going to be up and ready to go for this game. And I think one of the big things for the Patriots, they didn't blow out the Bills. They won 40-32. to They were killing them, and the Bills came back. So you know that sharp focus is going to be on there for the New England Patriots this week. Yeah, I would imagine that. It was a long week in the film room with, and look, the coaches made plenty of mistakes against Buffalo as well, but I'm sure that there was a lot on tape that they hammered home and are working to correct, and they're going to look to execute that and amend things on Sunday against Jacksonville. And yeah, with just how motivated this team is and the fact that they have the bye week next week, I'm not worried about a trap game or the Patriots, you know, taking Sunday off in a sense. I'm not worried about anything like that at all. That's good. I'm glad you're not worried about them taking any time off at all because I'm ready to talk some football. I'm ready to listen to some football. I'm ready to hear this crowd uh, at Gillette Stadium this week because I really think that everything that happened this offseason has made all of New England Patriots Nation really just come together as one and, and and really dominate. I want to talk a little bit now about what we think the Patriots are going to be able to do, what their number one priority is going to be on defense. We talked last week, you know, we thought shutting down uh, Shady McCoy was going to be the way to go. Is TJ Yeldon that guy or is it the wide receivers there, Bobby? Yeah, it's definitely Jacksonville's passing attack and, like like I've said a couple of times now, not having Julius Thomas a big blow to Jacksonville's offense. But nonetheless, they have three talented receivers there in Robinson, Hearns, and Lee. And Blake Bortles, a quarterback who likes to go deep. He's also a quarterback who throws a lot of interceptions. So I look for the Patriots defense to be in cover three, to be looking to take advantage for that. And just like Belichick and Patricia did against Tyrod Taylor, look to confuse him, look to spin the dial a little bit. And so it'll be interesting to see, but definitely it's Jacksonville's passing attack that you want to place an emphasis on neutralizing. Perfect, perfect. We're going to neutralize that passing attack. Got to love it there. You know, I'm looking at this team, and I'm looking at the Jaguars, and I'm excited about for them coming along. The Patriots only lost one game in their uh, entire history against, <clears throat> excuse me, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And do you remember when that game was, Bobby? Playoff time. Of course I remember Playoff it. Playoff time. 
And do you remember who the starting quarterback was for that game? We're going there. We're talking about the crybaby right now, Mark Brunel. <laughs> Mark Brunel was the crybaby. So the the revenge tour begins and continues with going after now Mark Brunel, uh, who of course was a Jacksonville Jaguar and the crybaby. But who was the who was the quarterback for the Patriots that year in 1998? Was it was it not Drew for some reason? I mean, I'm pretty sure it was Bledsoe, but was there an injury there? There was an injury. So, that was the year that Bloodsoe broke his finger uh, against the Miami Dolphins. And Scott Zolak, who will be calling the game uh, for the New England Patriots uh, on uh, 98.5, the sports hub this weekend, uh, was the starting quarterback in that loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, good for Scott Zoe getting reps. can only imagine, you know, you hear his calls during the game and how excited he gets. I can only imagine what comes out of his mouth after throwing a touchdown pass. Oh yeah, he's got a he's talking about unicorns and show ponies. <laughs> That's just watching Brady. So I can only imagine what he was saying when he was the one doing it. He had a full on pass gasm. You know he did. Gotta love Scotty Zoe. Gotta love him. Gotta love him. I'm looking at this team and and I and I I can't see how the Patriots lose this game. I think if the Patriots are going to lose this game, and I don't see it happening, first of all, let's talk about all the things going for the Patriots. You have the more talented roster. You have a better head coach. You've got the better quarterback. Um, you know, it's yet to be seen who has the better defense here. But ways the Patriots, you know, could possibly lose against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Turnovers. Turnovers could kill them. Um, you know, if they turn the ball over and, and and it goes from there, the not being able to defend, uh, you know, three wide receiver sets. So that's going to hurt them a lot. Not being able to defend the run back to back weeks. The run defense hasn't looked great. They got to shore that up. So those are my three keys to the game. You got to keep the ball in your hands. Don't turn the ball over. You gotta be able to stop the three wide receiver set, and whether that's a guy like uh, you know Logan Ryan or a guy like uh, Bradley Fletcher stepping up and being that nickel cornerback, I'm gonna say that it's gonna be Logan Ryan this week. Uh, you gotta step up and do that, and then of course you gotta stop that run game. So, Bobby, what do you think about those three different aspects right there? Yeah, look, do I expect the Pages to win this game? Absolutely, but the reality is the guys on the other side get paid to play as well. You know. These aren't just a bunch of scrubs out there. These are professional football players we're talking about. So there's a gap, but keep in mind that the other guys are pretty good as well. So, I mean, they just beat Miami, a division rival of the Patriots. So they're coming in with some momentum too. They're definitely going to be hungry. You know, the Patriots are motivated. But Jacksonville, this is a huge test for them. So you can believe that they're coming in motivated to play the defending Super Bowl champions and I absolutely agree with what you listed as your keys to this game and ways, ways that Jacksonville could maybe win this game. You know, turnovers, of course. Penalties is another area worth monitoring. And also special teams. What happens if someone from Jacksonville is able to make something happen there where they run a punt back or a kickoff back for a touchdown or give Jacksonville a great field position that sets up a touchdown or they force a fumble on special teams, you know, 
with their punt or their kickoff coverage. So there's definitely ways for Jacksonville to come into Gillette Stadium and pull off the upset. It just so happens that the Patriots are very good at protecting the football, minimizing how much they turn it over. They're a disciplined football team, so they don't get all that many penalties traditionally. You know, they had more than usual against Buffalo, but that game was a bit of an outlier. So there's ways for Jacksonville to win this game. But at the same time, the Patriots are well aware of what strengths Jacksonville has coming into this game. And like always, it's going to be game planning to take away those strengths and make Jacksonville rely on their weaknesses. And consistently, teams have not been able to do that for the most part. Oh, definitely. They haven't been able to do that right now. And, I, you know, I'm looking at NFL.com and I'm looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars and I'm wondering, you know, how they're going to stack up against, you know, we're two games into this season right now, and I'm wondering how do the Patriots and the Jacksonville Jaguars stack up against each other? Listen, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense versus the Patriots offense. I mean, Patriots right now are scoring 34 points a game, good for second in the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars are scoring 16 points per game, good for 30th in the NFL. That's a you know, I mean, on paper, this looks like a walk in the park for the Patriots. Um, you know, Jacksonville averaging 330 yards per game, uh, 21st in the NFL, Patriots 434. The big difference here, the Patriots, of course, 366 yards per game, passing the ball, only 68 yards per game, rushing the ball. Uh, the Jaguars are a little more offensively balanced with uh, 221 yards per game, uh, 18th in the league and 17th against the, uh, you know, running the ball. Um, so this could be the, you know, where they'll step up. But I'm looking at where the Patriots attack this team. And again, let's, we talked about, I talked about a little while ago, it's definitely throwing the ball. The Jags rank 20th in the NFL, giving up 251 yards uh, per game. Brady could have that in the first half, uh, especially against this team. They give up, a you know, more, uh, more passing yards than they do rushing yards. Another tough game running the ball, 73.5 yards uh, per game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, on paper, I mean, this is a tough one to talk about because you look at it and you say, oh, Patriots are just going to kill them. Uh, talk me up. Be my devil's advocate and tell me how the Patriots can you know, move forward here. Yeah, and look, you mentioned those team statistics. Well, keep in mind, We've only played two games. You know, Matt, Ch- yeah. Matt Chatham tweeted something during the Patriots-Bills game to the effect of, how do we determine whether someone is or isn't a top-10 defense right now? You know, it's just way too early to decide that stuff. Stats misleading at this time. They could be misleading any time, but especially when you have such a small sample size and it's the beginning of a season. So, you know, I think the Patriots win this game off of, Exactly what you listed when you were talking, you know, trying to talk up Jackson a little bit there. The reality is that they have advantages when it comes to talent, head coach, quarterback. They're a better team defensively. They have home field advantage this week. They're highly motivated because of everything that went on this offseason. So, you know, I believe that the vengeance tour continues and that, you know, for all I know, this ends up being a more competitive game than anticipated, but I ultimately believe and firmly believe 
that the Patriots win this game and improve to 3-0 and heading into the bye week. I completely agree with you there. Uh, let's move on to our weekly segment where we pick the uh, winner and loser of the game and, 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 of course, our offense and defense, the player of the game. Uh, I believe it's your turn to go first. It's an odd week, right? So it would be your turn to go first. That is correct. So I'm going with a score of I believe that the Patriots are going to put 41 points on the board. Yes, you heard me correctly. Offensive MVP, Julian Edelman. He's been phenomenal through the first two games. I think he continues that and has a big part in Sunday's win against Jacksonville because, look, this team's bread and butter offensively is that quick passing attack. He's a critical cog in that, no doubt. And so I expect that pattern to continue against Jacksonville. I don't expect them to be able to contain JE11 defensively, Jeff. You know, he might not get the credit, but I think Dante Hightower is going to be the player of the game defensively for New England because he just does so much from communication to stopping the run. He had some really impressive plays against Shady McCoy. One that immediately comes to my mind is when he lit into fullback Jerome Belton and then chased from behind and made the play on LaShawn McCoy for a gain of only two yards. Really impressive stuff right there. He's very effective in the opportunities when he does get to rush the quarterback. He can drop back into zone coverage. So Dante Hightower, who also, not to mention, is going to be spying Blake Bortles this week. He's my player of the game defensively for the Patriots. I love it. I love both that. I love the score. My score is a little bit different. Uh, Patriots 38-17 to 17, uh, in this one. Uh, Tom Brady in this offense is going to be too much for a lot of defenses out there. Uh, Jaguars are an up-and-coming team. they got a lot of nice nice pieces there. Um, but I think the Patriots come out and, and win this game, especially at home, uh, you know, 38-17 to 17, uh, in this one. Offensive player of the game, you know, you look there and you sit there and you say, all right, who? basically you got three guys you can really choose from. you got Brady, you got Edelman, you got Gronk. So first week I chose Brady, last week I chose Edelman. This week it's the big fella, Rob Gronkowski, who's going to absolutely dominate. I don't think Jacksonville has anyone on their team that can do it. Uh, so Patriots, 38-17, to 17, Rob Gronkowski going to be your uh, offensive player of the game. Defensive player of the game... A little different for me because I'm I'm wondering how this team attacks and and, and we've talked about it. They could uh, you know run the ball with T.J. Yeldon or they could go that three wide receiver set. I'm looking at my main man Malcolm Butler, Super Bowl hero, picked off his first pass uh, in the NFL uh, last week against the Buffalo Bills. Young quarterback and Blake Bortles uh, completing under 55 percent of his passes has two interceptions on the season. I'm going with two interceptions in this game. Two interceptions by Malcolm Butler as uh, as they try to force the ball into whoever Butler is covering. Uh, so Malcolm Butler is my defensive player of the game uh, as we talk here on the Patriots Beat program. I am Jeff Kane. Of course, Bobby Kravitsky is also joining me today. Let's take a quick rundown before we close the show out here. After two weeks uh, of some surprises, uh, in the AFC and NFC, and of course, a deeper look at uh, the AFC East. So let's start a little bit at the AFC East right now, because you have the New England Patriots sitting on top, um, you know, at two and zero. 
their rightly rightful place on top. The New York Jets, uh, you know, two and zero to start the season. Uh, you know, they went up against the Cleveland Browns uh, week one. I don't give them a huge amount for for beating the Cleveland Browns, uh, but last week they shut down the Indianapolis Colts, only allowing seven points. Uh, so the New York Jets right now have scored 51 points, only giving up 17 points with Todd Bowles in that uh, that uh, defense there. So not looking too bad for the New York Jets. The Jets and the Bills both looked really good going up against the Indianapolis Colts. So look, we all remember how the Patriots looked through the first quarter of last season. We'll see how Indianapolis progresses this year and what type of season they have. Plus, I know this week's Patriots opponent, Jacksonville, is in first place in the division right now. But the reality is that division is a cupcake. And Indianapolis should be able to walk its way into the playoffs regardless of how things, how badly things get for them. But the Jets, unlike the Bills, beat Indianapolis in Indy. And they looked really good doing it. That defensive line with the addition of Leonard Williams looks fantastic. You know, they strengthen to strength. With that draft pick, I really, as a Patriots fan, wish that he didn't fall to them at number six. But, you know, the reality is that he did, and he's off to a good start to his rookie campaign. Jets defensive line looks even stronger than it was a year ago, and it looks pretty damn good a year ago. Keep in mind, they don't even have Sheldon Richardson just yet. Offensively, we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is, and he's going to throw a lot of interceptions throughout the course of this season. He threw one against Indianapolis. All he has to do, really, is not lose games for the Jets. Majority of the time, the defense will put them in a position where the offense just has to be average. They just have to be solid for them to be in the thick of things and have a good chance of winning football games. And that's why, in my opinion, I think the Jets' defense overall is better than Buffalo's. I think Buffalo has a really weak linebacker unit. And I don't love their secondary. But I think the Jets are firmly the number two team in the division behind the Patriots. You know, we'll get to Miami in just a second. But you look at that combination offensively of now Eric Decker, unlike last year, he can go back into the role that he's best suited for and being the number two guy with Brandon Marshall, a true number yeah. one receiver in the mix now. So all Ryan Fitzpatrick has to do is play solid and not throw so many turnovers or not throw a critical turnover that loses the game. And they're going to be in a good position consistently thanks to how talented that defense is. Of course, Darrell Revis back there. You know, I don't love Antonio Cromartie's game. There's plenty of times where he's going to hurt the Jets, but he's a solid number two option over there. Buster Screen is actually a player that I like a lot as a slot cornerback. So I like the dynamic that this Jets team has. There are questions on the offensive line, and between that and Fitzpatrick, it could derail the whole operation there. You know, DeBricka Shaw Ferguson, who's a household name, is a shell of what he used to be, quite frankly. You know, he is rapidly declining. And so it's an interesting situation there, but I definitely have them as my number two team in the AFC East. And, you know, how much of the shine was taken off of the Buffalo Bills' uh, first victory of the season against the Indianapolis Colts after Ralph? How much of the shine was taken off, one, by the way that the Patriots absolutely dominated, uh, you know, the game was a lot 
farther apart than the final score indicated. But how much of that shine is taken away by the domination by the Patriots last week and by the Indianapolis Colts now, second year in a row starting 0-2 and and scoring 10.5 points per game? To be honest, all of the shine was taken away, and it almost didn't even matter what Indianapolis did on Monday night against the Jets. It was just the way that the Bills lost that game and the way that, you know, 45 to 50 minutes of that football game was played, the shine was completely taken away from Buffalo's week one victory. Now, that being said, I don't think that's fair and I don't think that's right. It's just the reality because Buffalo looked damn good against Indianapolis. And the other reality is that it's only week two. So Tyrod Taylor is a young, inexperienced quarterback who brings a new dynamic, a new wrinkle to that Bills offense, so much so that they traded Matt Castle, who's now going to be in Dallas, who the Patriots play coming off the bye week in a couple weeks. And so, you know, it's an interesting situation that they do have there in Buffalo with Percy Harvin, Sammy Watkins, a player who they need to find a way to get more involved is Charles Clay. Right now, there's a lot on LaShawn McCoy's shoulders, but as Taylor gets more comfortable, as they get more comfortable with Tyrod Taylor, they're going to need to find ways to incorporate Charles Claymore because he is a dynamic tight end who can make plays for them to go along with Watkins and Harvard. So there still is a lot there. I just think defensively, people look at how good Buffalo's defensive line is and start to just incorporate the entire defense when the reality is they are really weak at the linebacker position which is critical for Rex Ryan's defense you know he relied in New York heavily on guys like David Harris and Bart Scott he doesn't have that he doesn't have anything close to that in Buffalo right now and their secondary I think is very mediocre I'm not impressed with and of course Aaron Williams one of the most talented players in that secondary sustained a serious neck injury against the Patriots. So we'll see what his status is moving forward and how the injury affects him the rest of the season. So there's a lot not to like about Buffalo, but there is also some good stuff. I just see them as ultimately being in the wild card race and nothing else. Yeah, we're talking a little bit all about the AFC East and also about the, the rest of the NFL as well. But we did mention the Miami Dolphins a little bit. Uh, this is kind of scary for the Dolphins. They don't look too good. I mean, you win week one against the Washington Redskins, who are kind of a little bit of the sister of the poor. How the Redskins were able to beat the St. Louis Rams, who took the defending NFC uh, champion Seattle Seahawks into overtime and came out victorious, how they were able to get that victory, I, I, I don't know. I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins. They barely got by the Washington Redskins and barely got and lost to this week's opponent for the Patriots, the Jaguars. So I'm not expecting much out of this Miami Dolphins team. Uh, and, and I wonder, you know, they spent all this money on Endomic and Sue. Uh, maybe he can play quarterback because uh, Ryan Tannehill hasn't looked exactly great. Yeah, and look, for people who, you know, I said the Jets, I believe, are the second best team in the AFC East. People who want to say it's the Dolphins. I point to one man, and it's not Tannehill, it's Joe Philbin. He is the reason to me that this team is in the wild card race at best, and it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they don't make the playoffs at all, because there's a lot of talent on this roster, 
but they just don't have the right man for the job right now, patrolling the sidelines and Joe Philbin. You know, Tannehill, yeah, he, he hasn't looked great, although 30 of 44, 359 yards and two touchdowns is solid production. That's what he put up against Jacksonville in a loss. So I more put the blame on Joe Philbin, and I just I have low expectations for a coach like that. I think the team embodies his personality, which is tentative. It can be passive at times. So I'm, as you can tell, very low on Joe Philbin, which is why I'm low on Miami. And they might finish ahead of Buffalo. And maybe they do finish as the second best team in the AFC East. But a Joe Philbin coach team is never going to concern me. Uh, one of the teams that I'm looking for is our old friends, the Denver Broncos. And, of course, um, Peyton Manning, you know, a lot of us want to know, is Peyton Manning done? Uh, right now, the the Denver Broncos offense, they are, now, don't get me wrong, they're 2-0 and right now, but their offense is bad, bad, bad. Um, 25, uh, 32nd in the NFL in total yards, 32nd out of 32 teams uh, in the NFL. Now, again, two weeks into this, they're averaging 259 yards total per game, 194 yards uh, on on in the air, and only 65 yards on the ground. Gary Kubiak's got this team at two and zero, but it's the defense. The defense for the Broncos is is really good. Um, you know, averaging 18.5 yards a uh, game, 18.5 points per game. Only allowing 243 yards uh, in the air. Second in the league there. First against the pass, 133.5. And if it isn't for this defense, they're 0-2. Last week on Thursday Night Football against the uh, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they won the game on a fumbled return for a touchdown. Uh, the week before, it was an interception return for the touchdown. So, yeah, they might be 11th in the league in points scored, but 14 of those points are coming from the defense. Peyton Manning isn't having a good season, but that defense might be good enough to get him into the playoffs. And this might be the best defense that, that Peyton Manning's ever had. Yeah, there certainly is the potential. You know, there was there there were some really good defenses in Indianapolis, but there's certainly there's a lot of potential for this defense and they're living it up they're living up to it through the first two games but how different would the talk be around this Broncos team and around Peyton Manning if Jamal Charles doesn't fumble away the game so it's just it's interesting to see because what i see from Peyton Manning is a quarterback who has significantly lost his arm strength and also, he doesn't jive with Gary Kubiak's offensive philosophy. I know that Kubiak was a big help for John Elway there and you know, got him two Super Bowl rings at the end of his career, along with Terrell Davis and company. But Manning is a different type of quarterback than Elway, and he's not as mobile, especially not now, where he's had you know, lower body injuries. And so it's, just, it's a bad fit between Kubiak and Manning. I get why Elway went to him, but it's just not a good fit, in my opinion. And Manning doesn't look good right now. I think one thing that will be easy for fans to appreciate, especially the casual fan, is how smart Peyton Manning is because 
Exactly. What what I saw against Kansas City was how much he had to rely on his mental abilities because of the lack of arm strength and because of the diminished physical talents. And he was still able to make plays, you know, just his anticipating, knowing where guys would be, knowing where he had to put the football. And so being able to work that way to compensate for some of the stuff that he can't do as well as he used to do physically was really impressive. And I think that is going to be easy for fans to pick up on throughout the season. Just switching sides of the uh, NFL right now to the NFC, um, you know, Packers, of course, 2-0, and uh, looking like they're going to be, uh, you know, a team to be reckoned with yet again uh, as they move over. The Arizona Cardinals, uh, of course, now are also – uh, two and zero. They've have a. They don't seem to be missing a beat on defense, scoring big points last week. Uh, Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers both two and zero. And then you look at uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Right now they sit at two and zero. No Des Bryant, no Tony Romo. Uh, Going to be tough for them to continue. But the big story in the NFL right now is the defending NFC champion Seattle Seahawks at zero and two. And, Bobby, you'll remember me talking over the uh, off season how I think Seattle is in for a rough season this year. I do remember that, Jeff. You know, we might want to have a soundbite ready to go for that if things continue to head south for the Seahawks. They're getting Cam Chancellor back. That doesn't solve all their problems. It doesn't even solve their biggest problems, but it will help, no doubt. And it'll get some guys off the field who were hurting this team. But I really like the way the Cardinals are playing to start this season. There's a lot of talent over there in Arizona. Last year, the big deal was that Carson Palmer went down, and he always seems to have injuries at the worst time. You remember the one in Cincinnati where he gets hurt against Pittsburgh, and the question is going to be, can Carson Palmer stay healthy? Because I really like what this team has. I believe I'm getting the name correct right now. David Johnson, the running back, impressed. You know, he made a statement. He essentially put a game out of, you know, he he ended that game against Chicago as soon as it started running the kickoff back for the touchdown. He's also a solid running back as well. Right now, five carries, 42 yards, and a touchdown, which, again, he punched in against the Bears. So I, I really like the makeup of this Arizona Cardinals football team it's just really a question of can the quarterback stay healthy? Oh, definitely. Uh, well, we'll wrap it up now for Patriots Beat uh, here on the CLS Radio Network. Uh, I'd like to thank, thank our sponsors, harrys.com. Go out and get yourself a amazing shave for less money. I shaved my face with my first Harry's razor uh, today, and I'm telling you right now, it is smooth as my uh, five-year-old baby's bottom. Uh, my five-year-old, I cannot believe my kid's five, and, and my other one's three and a half. This is ridiculous. It's it's unbelievable how quickly it goes by. But get yourself a nice, smooth shave, and don't forget DraftKings.com using the promo code New England uh, as we record this on a Thursday night. Uh, it seems that I am a lot better at baseball than I am at football, and I would have thought the other way around. But if we continue to, and of course this won't happen, but if we continue to move uh, with a scoreboard, uh, the Boston Fat Guy is going to be $300 richer 
um, <laughs> later on tonight, as long as things continue to move a little, little, little move smooth. You know what I'm saying there, Bobby? You're going to be buying drinks at the bar this weekend then? That's $300? You know it, brother. Rounds on you? Yeah, rounds will be on me at the bar, as we like to say it. Well, for Bobby Kavitsky, I'm Jeff Kane. This has been another Patriots Beat on the CLNS Radio Network. Don't forget to turn in to the Patriots post-game show on CLNS Radio by going to www.blogtalkradio.com slash Patriots postgame immediately following the Patriots' hopeful victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars this week at Foxborough. Very excited for this. Again, this is Jeff Kane, Bobby Kvitsky, Patriots beat. Check y'all on the flip side. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.